0: Read and hear more about important news and policy issues at ncpolicywatch.com. This is News and Views. Welcome to News and Views. I'm your host, Rob Schofield. As the 2023 session of the North Carolina General Assembly starts to build up steam in the coming days and weeks, no issue deserves more attention than public education. Despite the presence of a generally robust economy and large state budget surpluses, North Carolina schools remain badly underfunded and are struggling to retain teachers and keep facilities functioning. And while it remains an open question as to whether lawmakers will tackle these challenges in the aggressive way they should in the coming months, any failure won't be for a lack of information. Thanks to the team of expert researchers at the nonprofit Public School Forum of North Carolina, legislators have a handy and thorough policy to-do list at their disposal. And earlier this week, I caught up with the forum's president and executive director, Marianne Wolf, to review it. In part one of our extended conversation, Wolf reminded me why funding for basics like teacher pay must be a top priority in the new state budget. Well, Marianne Wolf, welcome back to News & Views. Thanks so much for being with us.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted to be here and really appreciate you covering these important issues.
0: This past week, the Public School Forum of North Carolina released its top education issues uh, for 2023. And uh, this is at your ninth annual Eggs and Issues event. These are basically what your group says should be the priorities for our state policymakers and lawmakers in the coming year. Before we get into the specifics of those, though, I think sort of underlying these priorities are some basic assumptions about the role and importance of public schools. And it seems to me, best I can determine from what you all have, that sort of the guiding premises that our schools are an enormously important public good. Perhaps the most important thing we do sort of collectively as a society. And am I exaggerating that or am I sort of on the mark there with how you all see things?
1: I think you are exactly on the mark. I think we know now more than ever just how much our public schools are, in fact, the hubs of our communities and. In North Carolina, over 1.4 million children are educated in our public schools. And when you think about that in every community and every neighborhood, schools are where students spend a significant amount of time. And we also, I think, as we say that, really need to remember that when we're talking about education, it is about the kids, I think way too often we forget that, and we spend a lot of time focused on other issues, but really, this is about our kids and it's there now and their future, but also how that truly affects our state, our communities, and our economy. And one of the things that we've really been noting is that just how important our schools are for the economy and business in North Carolina. And I mentioned that because, of course, we want our students to be ready for college and career, ready to engage in this democracy. Um, And we know that businesses need employees who are ready to do that. We also know that so many businesses moving into our state choose here because they want their employees employees to be able to live in thriving communities. And part of that, a huge part of that is people being able to send their children or know that their grandchildren or others are in very, very strong public schools. And so something that we noted, Rob, that I think is just so important is that North Carolina was recently ranked the number one state for business by CNBC. Mm -hmm. And we see so many large international companies making big investments in our state. I feel like every week there's another big announcement coming and how many new jobs and what's needed. But something that we think is so important just to note is our same state is ranked 48th in the country in per-pupil expenditure when you adjust for regional cost differences. And it is just something that's so startling to me because We know that these go hand in hand, and we really need to be able to not just be business friendly, but also highly value public education. And we need our strong public schools in order to provide that workforce and those wonderful schools for people who are working in our businesses. And so we look at this as something that's critical for the kids, for the families and the communities, but also for our state and our economy.
0: We've seen now for years that the amount that we spend, and nobody's against the idea, I think, of being thrifty and you know not wasting money, but it does seem that we've seen a decline in our investments in public education, both sort of overall, when you say we're 48th, when you adjust for various factors, and also just with respect to the size of our economy and with respect to what our teachers could be making if they were working in other uh, private sector jobs. Again, we're sort of low on the totem pole there. And it does seem that that remains a roadblock to addressing any number of significant issues that confront our public schools.
1: Well, one of the things I know that, you know, as we really look at this, we know that many people on both sides of the aisle will say that we need to do better for our teachers. I think the question is how much better. And I think what one of the things that you just referenced is that teacher tax, right? What do teachers give up with the level of education and the level of credentials they have to go into teaching instead of another industry. And in North Carolina, that's a 24.5% teacher hmm. tax. And that's hmm. where you see our recommendation come out that we have these students that are strong students coming out of universities or coming into the fields from other ways. And they could be making a lot more in another field, And while, you know, we know that people choose education for many different reasons, we want to make sure, and we certainly heard this at Eggs and Issues, that our teachers are able to live in the communities they serve. We want them not to have to work multiple extra jobs. In the room we were in, every teacher, it seemed, raised their hand when asked if they had to work an additional job to make this viable. And so, and I know when I was a teacher, I also worked an additional job. And so I definitely feel that. And so the good news in North Carolina is we did have a significant surplus. We have the revenue, our economy is doing very, very well. And so my hope is that we think about kids, which reminds us that teachers are the number one school related factor that affects student outcomes. And we invest in those teachers because they are the ones that can support our children. And so in doing so, my hope is we take advantage of our strong economy in the state that we're in. And we show teachers how much we value what they do. It will not turn the switch overnight because our pipeline has been struggling. Our enrollment in our educator prep programs are down 44% over the last wow. decade. And while we had kind of hit bottom, and we've started to see a a slow increase again, which we're very happy about. When you look at that data over a decade, that's what we're seeing in the vacancies in our schools right now. And this year was more than double the vacancies of last year at the beginning of the year. And every district seems to be struggling with it. And so I'm not being dramatic. I'm just sitting here thinking about parents that are listening. People that are working in our schools know that they have students that do not have certified teachers in their classrooms. And that affects children every single day.
0: We're talking with Marianne Wolf, who's the president and executive director of the Public School Forum of North Carolina about their top education priorities for 2023. And we're right now talking about school funding. I've heard anecdotes through the years and from multiple people of, they're taking their kids to the grocery store and lo and behold, there's Mrs. Smith from- third grade class stocking shelves at the grocery store in a set, which is just sort of remarkable. But I wonder what, do you ever get a pushback from those who say, no, no, we're this is fine. We're we're funding schools at a, at a proper level. Teachers have a cushy job. They get summers off. I think I know the response to it, but I wonder if you've ever encountered that sort of pushback when you discuss this issue.
1: We do sometimes. And we also sometimes hear, well, money's not the answer. And I think we are so cautious. We never say more money for money's sake is the answer. What we know is investing, and what research and data tells us makes a difference from kit for kids is what matters. We have our, you know, our teacher starting salary in North Carolina is thirty seven thousand dollars. That's more than eleven thousand dollars below what is deemed the the livable wage here in North Carolina, and it's seventeen percent below what beginning teachers in Alabama make. North Carolina is 17% if you're a beginning teacher than Alabama right now. And so we do get that comment. I think data matters, but it matters because we need to invest in what makes it different for students. I also will tell you 20 years ago, my dissertation um, was on teacher time. So you've hit on a very important topic to me, And I studied teachers, they tracked their time in five minute increments for me, a big enough study to make it quantitative. And I will tell you that almost every teacher, every single teacher worked way more than the hours required. But something that people don't realize is for every hour of instruction, there was at least 50 minutes of planning and grading. And that was, again, a study done a while ago before a lot of the complexities that we're seeing now in our schools, because I think things have become only more complex since then. And so when I think about that and all the work that teachers do to plan to really figure out how to best meet the needs of every kid and their classroom. We know what a professional job this is and the, both the science and the art and the technical side of what this takes. So we want well-prepared teachers who are able to really understand their students and do what's best for them.
0: Yes, as the husband of a woman who spent many years as a special education teacher in Wake County and spent lots of long hours in the night preparing for big meetings with parents and, and the other uh, relevant uh, parties for her students, uh, I can attest that there's there's no uh, question about that. I want to hit one more time, though, on this issue of the teacher pipeline. You mentioned the fact that we had a, a big drop off in the number of applicants for schools of education Maybe we're starting to see a little bump back in the positive direction there, but we're still facing a shortfall in that realm. Am I right about that?
1: Yeah, it's a huge shortfall. So what I just wanted to point out is we did kind of hit bottom and have at least stopped like going directly down. But when you look from a decade ago, our schools of education have 44% less students than now. And, um, and so that is, you know, going into teaching. So that is very, very important. And we do see many things. So obviously making the, the job more feasible and attractive. So making sure we are treating our teachers as professionals, including compensation, but also just the way that we approach the teaching role. We also know that there are things that get in the way, and sometimes this even hits our teachers of color or candidates to be teachers even more, which is eliminating some exams that are not predictive of effectiveness, like the practice core. Mm -hmm. We also do have a North Carolina teaching fellows program. We believe that should be open to all subject areas. It should be broader across the state. And right now it's structured as a forgivable loan, but really Mm. it needs to be a scholarship because students sometimes, you know, might think, well, I don't know if I want to take on a forgivable loan. It's a different feeling. I also think we can increase the number and the diversity of national board certified teachers that leads to more retention. It also in our state does come with a 12% pay increase, which is again, very helpful, but we also know that national board certified teachers have been shown to be very effective for our students. And then the last thing is, is how do we help our school districts have more flexibility and how they use funding and how they use their allotments? Because different districts. When I'm talking with rural districts, the needs and the vacancies are different than sometimes the urban ones. They all have challenges. They just might look a little different. And so I really encourage that as well. And so we have a long, long way to go. What superintendents are telling me, it's not that they don't have top candidates. They don't have any candidates for a lot of roles.
0: Coming up next, part two of my special extended conversation with Marianne Wolf. Don't go away. Read and hear more about important news and policy issues at ncpolicywatch.com. This is News and Views. Welcome back to News and Views. I'm Rob Schofield. In part one of my special extended conversation with Marianne Wolfe of the Public School Forum of North Carolina about her group's K-12 education policy recommendations for the 2023 General Assembly, we talked about why our state simply must increase its bottom-of-the-pack spending effort if it hopes to recruit and retain good teachers and prepare more than a million schoolchildren to become productive adults. In part two of our chat, we discuss some other vitally important areas toward which lawmakers need to direct their attention, including student mental health needs, gun violence, and school safety, preparing kids to live and thrive in the fast-changing world they will inherit, and at long last fully funding the comprehensive funding plan ordered by the Supreme Court last fall in the landmark Leandro lawsuit. I want to switch to another topic that y'all have identified in your priorities for 2023, which is mental health and school safety and the fact that Obviously, the pandemic has taken a toll on all of us. It's taken a toll on kids. And yet, it seems that in many, many of our schools, we still lack the resources to respond to this challenge.
1: Yes. And we did have a panel at Eggs and Issues about this, including students from Duplin County who shared what it was like to be high school students in the past several years and how they're trying to help the other students as well as their school have more resources for this. And, you know, something that was very startling for me recently was reading that this current generation of students has been referred to as the school shooting generation. And Mm. while I know that Gun violence is not the only challenge I do think it's a really important one to bring up. We uncovered that two hundred and thirty six thousand k through twelve students have experienced gun violence in their own schools since Columbine, and mm. I just kept thinking that that's in their own schools right that's not a generic number, and that doesn't even include all the different students who are affected by the fear of and teachers who are affected by the fear of. We also know that since 2020, you know, we've had a 46% increase in youth with one or more major depressive episode. And we know that there's a lot of different factors. We know that this was a challenge before the pandemic, and then we know that it certainly continued and perhaps even exacerbated now. And so we know that our students are coming to us with significant challenges. We also know that while they're in their schools, the safety, you know, feeling safe is very important to be ready to learn. And so as we think about these things, we do think there are several things we can do. North Carolina as a state does not reach the recommended ratios for psychologists and counselors, social workers, and nurses. So we need to increase the number of those individuals in the schools because they help teachers support kids. They support our students directly. And And they come with an expertise, right, that can really help that. There was also a lot of mention about co-located mental health services by providing them in schools. Some teachers talked about how then students aren't missing the whole afternoon. Some talked about how some students wouldn't have access otherwise. So those are very important recommendations, I think, as we look at this, and also making sure that people... People in those particular roles, like psychologists, counselors, social workers, and nurses can afford to work in the school system. Because once again, there is an industry comparison, and that's always a challenge, but it's something we think that addressing can help with some of the need there to make sure that we have enough of those wonderful individuals in our schools to work with kids. The last thing the forum did come out with this year that is certainly different for, for us is wanting to make sure that we are doing something about guns because we do have to talk about it. And, you know, a teacher shared, Leah Carper shared that, you know, when she hears if a balloon pops down the hall, she's not Mm. thinking someone's birthday, she's thinking, what do I have to do right now? And so we definitely encourage a state statute requiring state safe storage of firearms but also reinstating the federal ban on assault weapons and requiring universal background checks for gun purchases. And this is an area that the forum has not always weighed in on, but we feel like when we look at the mental health of our students, it is critical that we do. And the last thing that I'll mention to you is our state has a $13 billion funding gap in school facility needs. And I think you and I have talked about this before, but in a lot of cases that is connected to safety. And so we once again encourage looking at what that, how can we address that so that our schools are safe um, for our kids? And again, everything is focused on those kids so they can be ready to learn and reach their potential and be ready to grow and be prepared for college and career and to engage in our democracy.
0: We're talking with Marianne Wolf, who's the president and executive director of the Public School Forum of North Carolina about their organization's priorities for the 2023 session. It's a long and very important list. There's a couple more I want to hit on in the time we have remaining, Marianne. One is this, this one that you've highlighted, prepare students for the world they live in. That's a an enormous challenge because it's obviously a very challenging world uh, that our students graduate out into these days. But obviously, we don't have any choice. If we don't prepare them, they're not going to be prepared quite often. <laughs> Talk to us about that priority.
1: Absolutely. And I think something we all know is when we're looking for people to come work in our organizations are included or to help our own kids, you know, I know have one out of college, one in college and one still in high school, we want to make sure they have skills of problem solving, right? And being able to manage their own time and communicate with others and, you know, critical thinking. I mean, those are all skills that are so important. And so many of those um, often come under social emotional learning and just how important it is that, the social emotional learning can also lead to much stronger academic outcomes. And I think that's a really important connection. And so often this is truly teaching kids how do they have their own self-regulation, but then how do they also interact with others, right? How do they have responsible decision-making? All of that comes into that. And one of the things that's exciting to us is it is in fact aligned with the North Carolina Department of Public Instruction's portrait of a graduate. Empathy is specifically called out, but so is Mm self-management communication. And and so we really appreciate that, but we need for our schools to be able to say that matters. Teachers know this. Every teacher knows this. I've yet to meet a teacher that doesn't agree and know this, but are we prioritizing it so that teachers know that that is a good use of time, that we believe it's a good use of time? They know it. We want to support that. We also know that culturally responsive pedagogy improves students' brain processing critical thinking so it also fits in with that and it helps them feel safe and like they belong in those in those classrooms and so we want to make sure that we are having standards and curriculum that reflect the diversity of student identities and speak the historical truths that persist today and, uh, you know, and the systemic inequities that persist today. We need to make sure that our teachers are supported to implement robust social emotional learning. They're required to have a social emotional learning and equity plan. We want to make sure that they are able to implement that. And so, you know, one of the superintendents said yesterday, if we expect it, let's resource it. And I think that was such a good point. Like, how much do we expect, but not necessarily provide resources for. And so this is an area I think that is very important. We need to make sure that our students are able to be in classrooms that honor this because this will help them be more prepared for the world they live in and the workforce they're going to enter.
0: We're coming to the end of our time with Marianne Wolf, the president and executive director of the public school forum of North Carolina. I'll get you out of here on this one. We know that money isn't the answer to everything, but in the case of North Carolina, we have an extraordinary situation in that we actually have a, a comprehensive remedial plan, a court-ordered plan. It's been deeply researched and spelled out as to how we can get our schools to where they need to be over the next several years. It's been the subject of litigation for years and years, but that plan is out there. I take it you think that's something we need to go ahead and fully implement.
1: Yes, and the courts do too, right? So there was (laughs) the Supreme Court ruling that did, in fact, say that we need to put this money in there. Right now, for years two and three, which we're in the middle of, that would be about $700 million. But that is an eight-year plan that continues with those investments. The good news is, What we're asking for those investments in is both common sense and research-based and not surprising, right? So (laughs) it is supposed to be about teacher and principal recruitment and retention, early childhood education, literacy instruction. We know we have support for this mental health and more. And so this would have an immediate impact on schools and districts across the state. And one of the things I just want to mention here is that not only is this court ordered and we need to do this, but we also know that this, ultimately, we have the funding for it. And I just can't say enough about that. Like, we know we have the funding we need to do this. Um, it has been court-ordered, and really what this does is provide what districts are saying. The l- other comment, a lot of people have mentioned our COVID funding or ESSER funding is the term. Hmm. How districts are using this and this, you know, the significant influx of funding in education and many other areas, right? We know that many industries had a significant influx. But yesterday we were reminded, first of all, districts are often using that funding for incentives, recruitment Mm -hmm. incentives and others, not just for teachers, but also for bus drivers and other challenges I know you're hearing about. But also school districts have been very careful to plan because that money will go away in a year and a half. Mm -hmm. And so these incentives, these other things they've done in order to make sure our students have what they need, right? Like a lot of it has been spent on what students need right now, including getting those employees. I mention all that because that money will go away in a year and a half, and this is different. The Leandro case, the Comprehensive Remedial Plan is how do we have ongoing sustainable investments in our schools, and I think this all goes together. You know, we as a state are very capable. We're currently ranked 48th in our per student. You know, funding, I didn't even share, but we're ranked dead last in in effort, which takes into account what we're able to do. So we have the funding. We know we're a place where businesses want to be. And we know that our schools are truly the hub of where we bring our students together and help them be prepared. And so it feels very common sense to me, Rob, but I'm hopeful that our legislators will see this and that we will move forward in a really positive direction.
0: Marianne Wolf is the President and Executive Director of the Public School Forum of North Carolina. You can check out their website, all these amazing and thoroughly researched recommendations at ncforum.org. Marianne, thanks for your service to the state and the children of our state. Keep up the great work, and we'll just uh, keep our fingers crossed that this report is something that the lawmakers pay very close attention to in the coming months. Thanks again.
1: Thank you so much, Rob.
0: Coming up next, more conversation about education in our state with the executive director of the group Higher Ed Works, David Rice. Stay with us.